I'm so happy to welcome you as we gather as the Christ Journey family once again to take another step in our Christ Journey together. So wherever you're making your connection with us, across the nation, around the world, and right in your own living room, may God's blessing be with you today. Now, one of the highlights of any trip to Israel is visiting the Dead Sea. I mean, it's the lowest elevation on earth, 1,412 feet below sea level. And uh, it's one of the world's saltiest bodies of water, nine times saltier than the ocean. In fact, it is so salty that it is impossible not to float in it. I mean, here's a shot right here of our recent Holy Land tour group. We're at the lowest elevation, and yep, there I am. And that's me, I got my, I'm just, I'm in a seated position and the saltiness of the water is holding me afloat. Dead Sea. Now, why is it called dead? You know why? Two responses. Number one, it's so low that everything flows in, but nothing can get out. And number two, it is so salty that nothing can live in it. Now, Imagine this, with that in mind, imagine this. Now, heads up, you may be offended at what I'm about to say. Your life, apart from God, is like the Dead Sea. No spiritual life in it. No eternal life, for sure. Scripture says that you and I, we are dead in trespasses. That means our missteps and in our sins, our deliberate errors, our selfish acts. When it comes to knowing God, knowing, feeling, hearing, sensing God, we are deaf, we are blind, we are hard-hearted, we're just dead, flatlining. When it comes to knowing God's quality of life, eternal life, we're dead. And uh, not only you, but your spouse, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your husband, your wife, your mom, your dad, your daughter, your son, your friends, your boss, every, in fact, every person you know that is biologically alive also suffers symptoms of being spiritually dead. Now, if that's a new thought for you, don't shut down. Track with me in the storyline and now imagine this, this incredible thought from a vision from a prophet named Ezekiel that he had one day. It's recorded in Ezekiel 47, a vision of a great flow of rushing fresh water that is pouring out and then rushing down from under the temple of God and forming this mighty river. Ezekiel was guided to enter the river, to experience the river in its increasing depths. A thousand cubits out, 1,750 feet, ankle deep. Another thousand, knee deep. Another thousand, waist deep. Another thousand, now he's like 7,000 feet out into the river. And it said it's deep enough to swim in, a river no one could cross. And at that point, the guide asked Ezekiel, son of man, do you see this? In other words, a lot of people miss this, even though it's right here. And then he's led back to the bank where he sees a large number of trees 
growing on each side, life-giving, and is told this, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah. Hold on to that word. We'll get back to it. Arabah. And where it enters the sea. When it empties into the sea, the water becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish. Fishermen, you listening to me? Large numbers of fish because this water flows there. And it makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Would you say that with me? Where the river flows, everything will live. Now consider this. Maybe you've never thought of it before, but this magnificent, spectacular, amazing vision is about you. Your Dead Sea life, so complicated, so deadened by sin, can come vibrantly alive to bear life and share life because the river of the water of life from God is flowing, overwhelming the death and the sin in its life in you. This is incredible. And uh, lots of people don't see it. Lots of people in our world today don't see it, but Jesus wanted us to. John chapter 7, verse 38, Jesus said, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams, that word means torrents, rivers, rushing mighty streams of living water will flow from within him. And he was talking about the Holy Spirit bringing life to you and then flowing and growing through you as a channel of God's life to the world. Now, does that sound like Jesus? Somebody's thinking, yeah, that's who Jesus was. God was in him and revealing himself through him to the world. And you know what Jesus said to his followers? Believers, are you listening? We've been tracking through spiritual growth here. Here's what Jesus said. As the Father sent me, so I send you. John 20, 21. Now, what do you call someone who gives life to another who never had life before? Isn't the word parent? Parent. Someone who gives life. And we're talking about spiritual parenting today. What's the difference between a spiritual adult? We see on our growth chart how we move up the chart to spiritual adulthood. What's the difference between being a spiritual adult and a spiritual parent? Here's the difference. A parent has brought God's life to another life. A parent has spiritual children. A parent is like a Mando with Baby Yoda. Daddy Mando, Baby Yoda. Life that is now given life. And if you want to keep, if you want to keep growing into your full God-given potential in Christ, you move up in your spiritual life through adulthood to spiritual parenting. You let God use you to help someone else find and follow Christ. What does our spiritual parent Paul say to us in his first letter to believers in Corinth? Even though you have 10,000 guardians 
in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. This is the spiritual statement of Luke. I am your father. God's life now giving life. You were born again by God's choice through me. That's what Paul's saying. I'm your spiritual daddy. Now today is Father's Day in the United States, so it's very appropriate that we would honor our biological fathers. And here's what we all know, and dads included, we know we're not perfect. You know what? We know we don't get it right all the time, but today we honor our biological fathers because in God's plan, thanks to them, we're here. And in many cases, we also know this, that our fathers have done the best they can with what they had and what they knew in seeking to protect and provide for us in our lives. And many, many, many of our fathers have loved us. Now it's tragic, sad, and true that sometimes we don't experience that, but I'm telling you, maybe they don't know how to say it, but they have sure tried to show it so many times in taking care of us through the years. So dads, wherever you're connecting with us today, could you stand up and just take a bow? Just dads, yeah, take a bow right where you are, wherever you are, and then family, listen, please, let's give some honor to our dads. Let's show some respect right now, right? Don't fake it, it's not a joke. Now I want to share two ways that I feel respect. This is for real. This is deep for me. Where do I feel respect from my family? Well, when, when, my, when they say thank you for something that I've done that is meaningful and touched them and helped, or when I'm noticed for who I am, not just what I do, but who I am, what I'm seeking to become. When they say, Dad or Honey, you know, I know I'm not my wife's father. She'll tell you, I'll tell you, but I still love it when she gives notice and pays attention to me with the words, thank you, and then fill in the blank. Or I love it when you, and then fill in the blank. Or I love the way you, or you are very, what? Thoughtful, diligent, kind, strong, sensitive. Compliments are what I'm talking about. So you wanna show some respect, let's make some honest observations and compliments today. Like this, you are so life-giving. That's what a parent does, give life. That's what a spiritual parents, they give life to others. So let me ask you, believer, growing believer, growing to be more mature believer, do you have any spiritual children yet? People who have come to Christ because of what God is doing in and through you. Well, then you are a spiritual parent. That lets you know that this is your next step in growth. You let God help you help somebody else come alive in Christ. Now, does that make sense? Did you know the first call that Jesus gave to his disciples was follow me and I will make you fishers of men, Matthew 4, 4 19. In other words, I will show you how to live beyond yourself, a life larger than yourself. And then the last call that Jesus gave, Matthew 28, verse 19, go and make disciples of all nations, verse 19. Now listen, both of those are calls to become spiritual parents, to not just get stuck in yourself, but to see life-giving beyond yourself, to become a life-giving channel of salvation to others that can bring others to life. This is God's plan for our Dead Sea world. Every person in it 
with a Dead Sea life. Every Dead Sea relationship, every Dead Sea stagnant marriage, every Dead Sea dead end religion, every Dead Sea broken place and broken race in our world, in our spiritually Dead Sea planet. That's what I'm talking about. Apart from God, dead in our trespasses and sins. Did you ever wonder how God designs to bring eternal life, spiritual life to the dead places in you, in your life, in your family, in your home, in your neighborhood, in your city, in your country, in your world? This is God's plan. It's not by secular education. It's not by government, it's not by elections, it's not by demonstrations, it's not by social media posts. It's by people who are building personal bridges of relationship that allow God's life to flow and then give life in the process. Is that how God's life got to you? Believer, once again, let me ask you, is that how it came to you? This is how it happens. Somebody cared enough to pray for you, to stay with you, to listen to you, to love you, to visit you, to invite you, to share their story of how they received God's love in Christ and how they trusted him for the forgiveness of sin and how his spirit came alive in them and how then you can find healing there and what they prayed and how they turned from selfish, dead ways of living to learn to follow Christ. That's what baptism represents buried, rising to new life, to begin a personal relationship with God. Is that how it happened for you? That's how God wants it to happen through you. You say, well, it's gonna take a long time then to change the world. Okay, wait. I say we're not talking about changing the world right now, we're talking about changing you. This is about you, this is about helping you grow into all of your God-given potential, all the way up to grow from spiritual childhood to adulting to now, parenting. All the way up from spiritual adult is by sharing God's good news with others. So that now you have spiritual children. Take another look at Ezekiel's vision. He's shown us this amazing, miraculous rush of water flowing from the temple of God, and wherever it flows, it gives life. Would you say that with me again? Wherever it flows, it gives life. Now, could our world use some of that right now? Over the course of the pandemic, haven't we seen the salty, dead sea false gods of our time unable to prove their fresh water, life-giving solution to our need? What do I mean? I mean, some people worship sports and entertainment, but those have been shut down. Some people worship money and the economy, and we've had to prop that up, haven't we? Some people worship government and politics and the show of force, and right now our nation is in turmoil, and with an election coming later this year, it's probably just gonna get harder and worse, isn't it? Some people worship science. Now, I thank God for science. You know, I'm praying for a uh, vaccine right now, but I don't worship it as God. You know what, science, this is science right now. This is science, the best science we have responding to COVID-19 is this mask right here. This is what science says, wash your hands, wear your mask. 
but I don't worship it as God. Our idols are dropping around us. And it's like our hearts are crying out, where's the life? And God says, have you seen this? It's in the river flowing from the temple. But I don't mean the church building. I mean the temple of the Holy Spirit. You, believer, your body, as you grow out of spiritual adolescence and adulthood into parenting. Here's what spiritual parent Paul tells us, 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? Your life now is that channel where the river flows. This, the river is about you. It's about you growing in spiritual life, ankle deep. What's that? How about this? Walk in the Spirit. This is what we start learning to do in our toddler, in our spiritual childhood. And then from there, here's what happens. You don't walk anywhere with God without knowing how to walk in the Spirit. We don't go anywhere without doing that. Next level, knee deep. What's that? Praying in the Spirit. Now, these aren't just first words, though. We're talking about learning how to follow God's prompting in conversation to pray that his will might be done on earth as it is in heaven in our lives every day this is daily praying in fellowship with the holy spirit and then as we do that what we learned as adolescents and adults is that this means putting on our spiritual armor and moving forth with his power in us as you grow through spiritual adolescence into the adult battlefield. You know, in Ephesians chapter six, check this out. After the warrior puts on all the spiritual armor, the next challenge Paul's issues in verse 18 is this. Now pray in the spirit on all occasions, all kinds of prayers and requests, and always keep on praying for all the saints. We put on all the armor of God, why? So that we can pray that God's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven and that that flow can flow through us. Next level, waist deep. What's that? Reproduction. This is where spiritual adults become spiritual parents. Has anybody come alive in Christ yet? Because of you. Warrior believer, have you given birth by God's grace to other warriors in the making yet so that they can find their way to overcoming? because you cared enough to share the hope that God has given you. You loved someone enough and learned how to listen to them to the point that the Holy Spirit helped you know where to tell your story and how to apply the gospel story right to their point of need so that they could pray and receive God's life and come alive in Him. Now, sometimes we think, oh, they're not interested, Pastor. Or sometimes we think this, you know, they're just too hard. Or there's just too many obstacles in the way. Listen, sister, brother, nothing is too hard for God. Should we say that together? Nothing is too hard for God. And what you start realizing as you grow through your adolescence and adulting into this opportunity is that people are far from God in this world. They're in the dark. They're living dead sea lives. So to have fresh water expectations for somebody who is dead is unrealistic. Instead, let's let God's 
water get from us to them in a way that they can experience life and growth. Now, we've been tracking with the positives to the spiritual growth chart in the continuum, but I gotta tell you, there's also a downside for people that are far from God. Maybe it'd be better to call it flatline. I've lived there in the flatline, dead, and didn't know it. Just like we've talked about, apart from God. Now this chart is mine. I put it together from conversations that I've had with people through the years who had not yet met Christ. And I was asking God, how can I help them find him so that they could follow him? And my observation is this, that there are levels of unbelief that I need to be aware of if I'm gonna share God's life in a conversation that can give life. Now these aren't hard line categories, but they are stages of unbelief that I have witnessed. I've experienced from people in my ministry. At the far left of the chart, you're gonna see spiritual apathy, spiritually apathetic. As far as God's concerned, there's a hardness of heart that has left them unfeeling and uncaring about God. I was there for a while. Next, atheist, hostile. What does that mean? Well, maybe you've met some. This is somebody who says there is no God and they want to fight about it. They're aggressive. They're opponents to belief. Then there's atheist rational. What does that mean? Somebody who doesn't believe, but they're not hostile. They just are wanting to debate and, and argue and discuss it. Next, move into agnostics category. Dr. J. Edwin Orr once said there are two kinds of agnostics, ornery ones and honest ones, which one are you? And then he said, ornery agnostic is somebody who says, we don't know if there's a God, and you don't know if there's a God, and we can't know if there's a God, which kind of makes an honest intellectual person say, how can you know? Wouldn't you have to know everything in order to know that you can't know that there's a God? So that's why we say the honest agnostic says this, I don't know. But that doesn't mean there isn't a God or that you don't know. It simply means that I don't know in my personal knowledge. Listen, I've been in conversations where somebody on the front end who appeared to be a difficult atheist, not exactly hostile, but difficult and rational, open, then in the conversation actually moved to say, well, I guess I'm an honest agnostic, not an ornery one. And then when he said that, I mean, he just never had a conversation with a believer to come to that conclusion before. And then at that point, I said, you know, Jesus taught that God reveals his love to us as a powerful and caring father. And he almost interrupted me just like that and said, I don't want a father, which was a very honest statement. That's an honest agnostic. But wouldn't you agree that that's different from saying there is no God? Different to say, I don't want a father. So what he discovered that day, and I did too, was that uh, he wasn't an atheist, but neither was he an open agnostic. That's the next category in my understanding. Uh, this an open means he doesn't know, but he's willing to be open to the idea, to enter the conversation. And then when you do that, then it seems to me you enter a whole other level here, which is seekers. And we talk about seekers around here. And I've given four categories. Like I said, this is my take on it, so it could be wrong. But curious seeker, open seeker, active seeker, trying to believe seeker. Trying to believe. This is the person who said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. But I'm seeking. Now, 
Don't be insulted by these categories. They're not hard and fixed. They just help me know what questions that might be asked that help and what needs might be that I can be as sensitive to in responding to people in my life that I would like God's life and love to have opportunity to come alive in. So when Peter says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone, to everyone who asks you the reason for the hope that you have, 1 Peter 3.18, I believe he's instructing us to be ready to become spiritual parents. to help people find Christ, to be ready to let God use you to help someone else find spirit life, to reproduce in the spirit. Now, I'd like to tell you a couple stories from my life as to some opportunities that rose up through the years. There have been many, but one that I wanted to tell you was when I was a, a freshman at university, Northern Arizona University, secular university, I was in introduction to education class and the professor asked, us to write a paper about the most significant person in my life. So I wrote about Jesus Christ, who had recently changed my life profoundly. And so I wrote about it and how I met him, how I experienced freedom from guilt, new purpose, new peace in my life. And the day that the professor, the professor was then giving our graded papers back to the class, he said, now, class, I'm gonna ask a couple of you to, to read your paper out loud to the class. Mr. White um, was one of them, me. Uh, suddenly, <laughs> I thought, oh my goodness. I mean, even remembering it, my palms are a little sweaty right now because I got nervous, I got scared. I guess I was afraid of being rejected or being made fun of or being ridiculed. And uh, I started praying this verse that I had memorized to myself. I started saying this to myself. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And I just repeated that to myself until he said, Mr. White, and then it was my turn. And so I read what I had written about my life experience in Christ in what seemed a very quiet classroom at the time. And when I finished, he simply said, thank you. And there was no discussion. But on the way out, once class was dismissed that day, Toby Dyer came to me, an acquaintance friend of mine. And he said, you know, could I have a copy of that? I've never heard anything like that. I'd like to read that to my parents. And of course, I had simply written the way I met Jesus and how I prayed and what it felt like and how, how it happened to me and uh, why he's the most significant person in my life as my Savior and as my Lord. And now Toby was going to read that to his family. You know what God was teaching me? About my next step of becoming a spiritual parent in my journey. You know, you may be a spiritual parent and just haven't realized it yet but God wants to grow you there. Another story I want to tell you is from a hospital room where I was in Little Rock, and the doctors had told the man lying on the bed there that he was terminal, he would not be returning home. And um, I had known him because he and I together had been guests at several private business luncheons where our host would invite forum discussions on controversial topics. And uh, I was the preacher there, I guess the token pastor, and the others were mostly non-believers, and this man who was lying in front of me at this time was a political businessman, a leader in the community, who had uh, enjoyed ridiculing me for my faith on several occasions. Um, 
But I had had the opportunity there to share my story and how Jesus' death and resurrection bring eternal life and joy and hope to all who will believe. And, uh, and this day, there was no ridicule from his side. This day, on his deathbed, he just asked me point blank, how can I know I'm going to heaven? And so I shared the gospel one more time and how Jesus said, whoever denies me before men, I will deny before my Father in heaven. But whoever confesses me before men, I will also confess before my Father in heaven. And he blurted right out, I confess him, I confess him. I'll never forget that. And then we prayed, he prayed, asking Christ to come into his life, to forgive his sin, to give him eternal life. And I was able to tell that story at his memorial service only days later. You know what I believe happened? I believe that his dead sea life was made vibrantly alive in fresh water from God. That in Ezekiel's vision, where the guide told him that the river was going, the, the river of fresh water was going to go into the Arabah. Remember that? You know what the Arabah was? That's that geological depression where the Dead Sea lies. The lowest place on the planet with the saltiest, the saltiest water on earth where everything flows out and nothing can live. And that's the place where the guide told Ezekiel that the Lord was going to pour the fresh water into the deadest place on earth. In other words, and it will become teeming with life. What's the message? Nobody's too far from God if we're willing to channel his life there, if we're willing to share his life there. I learned a, a song early in my spiritual discipleship, simply says, I got a river of life flowing out of me. It makes the lame to walk, it makes the blind to see. It opens prison doors and sets the captives free. I got a river of life flowing out of me. This is God's song for every believer. And for us to grow into fullness, he wants us to become a spillway of fresh life to a dead world. And when, God's, when you let God's river flow and then share the good news of Christ with others, God takes you to the level of spiritual parent. Hey, Mando, you can have your, own, your very own spiritual Mando. You can have your very own spiritual baby Yoda. You can let God's life get through you and bring the joy of life to another. Are you a spiritual parent yet? This is what God designs for you. He wants you to be. Now in a moment, we're gonna be sharing communion together. And at that table, we're going to remember everything that Father God did for his beloved children who were dead and far away from him. Everything God did as Father to get us back in Christ so that we could share the table of fellowship with him. That's what that supper reminds us of. Could we ask today, Lord, would you show me, open my eyes to see who I could be your channel of life to, so that perhaps the next time we share this meal at your table, they could be here too. You know, they say the most transformative experience an adult can have, a biological adult can have, is becoming a parent. Well, in spiritual growth, it's transformative as well.
It not only brings life to the recipient of the good news, but it gives life as it flows through the deliverer of the good news. I've heard biological parents say this, you know, if you wait till you think you're ready to have a kid, you'll never have a child. I'm thinking the same is true in sharing the gospel. If you wait till you think you're ready to do it, it's probably not gonna happen. But what I've learned is you learn how to do it by doing it. You step in. So what might your steps be today? Well, first you could pray, pray in the spirit and ask God to lead you. You could permit yourself to get creative. Give yourself permission to go ahead and try. And then number three, you could push through whatever the obstacles are, wherever your palms get sweaty. When, you're, when God calls your name, you can share your story. And then number four, you know what you can do? You can link up with your campus pastor, join in the gospel conversation opportunity that we're hosting and having, and let them show you how to get connected so that you can be part of that. I'm gonna ask us to bow our heads together now. And Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have brought the fullness of God's spirit to us, not only through your death and resurrection, but pouring yourself out to us by his presence within us even now. And we pray that for every believer who you have spoken to through your word today, who is right now willing to say, Lord, I need to grow. I haven't, I have not yet, but I want to. And so Lord, we pray that you would fill each one to overflowing so that your life could get out through our lives to others in need of life. And now a word to someone who's checking us out, connecting with us online, that has never taken the step of faith. The first step is believe. Believe that God loves you. Believe that Christ died for you. Believe that he has covered all of the sin debt and removed the obstacles in his death. And then when he rose from the dead, now triumphs over it in love and wants to put his spirit within you when you ask him. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive my sin. Fill me with your spirit as I turn from my way and learn to go your way. And I make my prayer in your name. Amen.